The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I love the way Kikini celebrated. I love the way Limerick celebrated Munster, right? To, to go where we actually want to win the next you know, Or were they treating it as just another game, another step stone? That's, that's the question I have. Subscribe to the GA Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. GAA Late Night. Live every Sunday evening, 8.30 on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off The Ball. In partnership with Guinness Zero Zero. 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking. Hello one and all, and welcome along to GA Late Night here on Off The Ball's Twitter Spaces. Will O'Callaghan standing in for Tommy Rooney for the next couple of Sunday nights. This is your forum though to sound off about the weekend's action and we'll look to get to as many of you on the calls as possible over the next hour or so. The lineup is complete now for the semi-finals of the All-Ireland Football Championship. We've got the provincial winners all reaching the last four of the competition. 19 wins from 25 quarterfinals for Kerry, a remarkable record for them since 2001 as David Clifford's first half goal helped them over come Mayo today by 118 to 13 points. Jack O'Connor's team will now face a Dublin team who are appearing in their 13th straight All-Ireland semi-final. Nine points from Dean Rock last night as the Leinster champions eased to an 11-point victory against Cork. But Desi Farrell admitting after the game that injured Joe O'Connor Callaghan and James McCarthy both now face a race to be fit. Treated to a classic today, I'm sure most of our callers will probably want to talk about Armagh and Galway where the sides couldn't be separated after 90 plus minutes of an absorbing contest to Croker. Shane Walsh, Damien Comer, Robert Finity and also Matthew Tierney slotting away their penalties as the Trisman advanced to the semi-finals for the first time since 2018. Also ends a pretty horrible record for Galway at Croke Park, just their second championship win in 20 years. And they'll now take on a Derry team who hit Clare for five goals in strolling to a 14-point win on Saturday afternoon. So I'm going to put everyone in. First night doing this, admittedly, so we will uh, work our way through the requests as quickly as we can. But uh, let's say hello to uh, Sarah O'Donovan slash Sarah Nell, who's with us as well. Sarah, how are you getting on? Really good. Look, a little disappointed about last night, but it was inevitable. Yeah, you were at the double header. Um, we'll call it the, we call it the Sarah O'Donovan derby between Cork and Dublin, <laughs> but you were going to be supporting Cork. Um, myself and Ross Munley were there for off the ball. We were watching the game. We thought... Cork did a decent job of containing Dublin in the first half. Uh, their full forward line looked threatening when the ball got up there. But then there was that 21-minute spell after halftime, Sarah, where Cork didn't score. And it was just so comfortable for Dublin, really. It was. And probably what will be disappointing from Dublin's point of view is they got involved in some messy off-the-ball things. Johnny Cooper's yellow card, things like that. Just, just a bit of cynicism that they probably didn't need to show this early on. And I think in the semi-final, referees and, and linesmen will be more I suppose, aware of it and be watching it because I did think that they were doing a lot off the ball that they didn't need to do. And then the disappointment is after that spell, once Dublin got ticking, I didn't get any kind of feeling from the middle of the second half that Cork were really going to get back into it. We can talk about Dublin's lack of goals threat without Conor Callaghan being available, but Cork didn't really threaten for goals at any point when they were chasing the game either. It felt like this was a game where they were out to contain the dubs as opposed to actually carrying any great threat themselves. Yeah, I, I wonder, did they go in thinking, is, is 10 points you know, a suitable barometer for where we are. Let's not lose by more than 10 points as opposed to going out and trying to win the game. And that's what it felt like to me watching from the game last night. How do you assess then the year, given that I guess the two bright points maybe for Cork for the season would be the way they contain Dublin for parts of that game and also the way they contain Kerry. But overall, how would you assess Cork's year then? Bonus territory. I don't think anyone expected them to go as far as they did. Um, the win against Loud, obviously... 
50 minutes of a performance against Kerry. Some bright points. Cahal Omani is a superb footballer. Sean Powter, you know, you love to see him playing football. They have talent, but their conditioning, their strength conditioning is a bit off. Um, they're they're behind the pack. Like, you know, they wouldn't stand up to, to get against that very physical Armagh team today. So I think they need a couple of years in the gym building no more than the Cork hurlers, the same. Um, mm. That strength and conditioning piece has to be a big focus for Cork on both sides uh, for the next couple of years if they really want to start putting their, their take on games. You know, I think they're a very, th- there's no doubt the talent is there on both sides, but the strength and conditioning just hasn't been brought into the, the setups when it should have been, and it should have been a focus. Yeah. Stick up your hands and uh, just stick in a request if you want to come in. We'll play in as many people as we possibly can over the next few minutes. Sarah, I think there's a lot of our mass supporters I see in the room currently. I'm sure they'll probably want to talk about what was really a classic between Armand and Galway this afternoon. Um, obviously, a lot of debate around the idea of a penalty shootout deciding it. Uh, Porrick Joyce in his post-match press conference there was saying that he thinks that's something that should be left to soccer. He feels that penalties aren't the right way to decide it, said Galway did practice them and Galway took them very impressively to actually win the game as well. I agree with him. I, I think it was an awful finish for a game like that. And, you know, when we see soccer-style goals in Gaelic football, normally there's nearly a turn up your nose at, at the skills that are shown when the ball is played on the ground. So to finish a game of such importance with a penalty shootout is taking from the game. I'd agree 100% with Park. It shouldn't be It shouldn't be a way to finish those games. Yeah, Michael Quinlivan is with this Tipperary footballer as well. Michael, do you agree on this? I mean, controversial after what was like an incredible game. We'll talk about uh, the melee at full time and everything else in a moment, but it finished after 90 minutes, 2-14, 1-17, goes to penalties, uh, one of the best games that we've seen in the championship this year, and then it's decided by spot kicks at the end. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any probably right way to finish it um, I do I do believe the, the doing away with the replays has made a huge difference um, I just don't think penalties is the right way to finish it um, I know a lot of people are kind of very taken with even a, a form of a golden score or something like that um, I think the mayhem of it would be brilliant uh, to make for a great spectacle and but the the penalties are probably the best that they ha- we have at the minute, and it, it does bring great drama. It brings great excitement. Um, I wasn't. I, what I was surprised with was that like, I'm assuming Reno Neal is probably the the Armagh penalty taker that he actually didn't go up first. Um, mm-hmm. That first spot kick is always very very important. You see it a lot of the time in 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 soccer that the penalty taker themselves will always take the first one, get one on the board. Um, settled the rest of the team um, so I found it a bit strange really that, that he went second um, now maybe look at Stephen I think Stephen Campbell is probably a, a very good penalty taker it's just a poor execution and, and it, you know Connor Turbot's a little bit unlucky he hits the post but if it's six inches the other way it's probably the best penalty that's been taken out of out of the lot um, but look they, they, they just got there in the end Galway um, I think they were you know, much the better team probably over the course of the 70 minutes and nearly contrived, or over the 70 minutes and then even an extra time and then somehow nearly contrived to lose it. So uh, they'll be delighted to get into the last four. Um, and, and I think they'll they'll fancy it against Derry as well. Um, no more than Derry will against Colby. Yeah, I don't guess for any uh, lack of cojones from Reen O'Neill when he was stepping up, Michael, no. to take a penalty in second place because... 
Like, there was definitely an argument to be had when the game was in the melting pot for that last play to take a short one, try and work it into a position where someone can get a shot away. But instead, he puts the ball down and beautifully curls it over with his right foot from what, about 45 metres out over on the left-hand side. It was a remarkable execution of the free under maximum yeah, pressure. Yeah, I, I, like, the kick is phenomenal. Um, but I would say that it's, it's normally, a, you know, management probably do select the order of the kickers. Um, it's, it's never really the players, so... I just found it a little bit strange, you know, after, you know, him stepping up, um, he was, you know, phenomenal kick to bring it to extra time. Under that much pressure, it's probably, you know, with the angle at least 55 metres out and he hits the net halfway up, which is a ridiculous kick, really, when you think about it. Um, and I just mm-hmm. would have liked to, to, you know, for him to go up because he was, look, he was always going to score. Um, and, and that's that's just, you know, I'd, I'd always I'd always think you, you'd, you'd put your best out first. Well, welcome along to Armagh fans 1889, who can give us an Armagh perspective on what happened in Crow Park against Galway. How are you getting on? Uh, how are you doing? Um, obviously, we're gutted. Um, you know, I think over the course of the game, I think Galway maybe just deserved to edge it. Um, but as everybody's saying, I think the, the replays need to come back into play. Um, penalties is no way to, to um, decide a Gaelic football match. Or her match at that. Um, I think it's, 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 it's sad for the fans, you know, that they're not going to see another game like that this season. I think that the other um, the other three set, uh, quarterfinals were poor enough, um, and that was I think the Armagh Galway game was just the pinnacle. That that was the best game that we've seen this season. Um, it's just sad that it's, it came that way. And and you know the worst thing I think the talking points is going to be with the brawl at full time. At the full time with normal time, but the game of football itself was 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 magnificent. And tell you what, congratulations to Galway. Yeah, it overshadows the game a little bit. It we've does. kind of we've kind of made a decision as well that there's very likely going to be charges from the CCCC on the back of this. And it was a member of the Armagh extended panel. So as opposed to uh, naming that player right now, we're going to wait see what happens with charges that are oh, likely every, to follow. Everybody knows on. the player. Yes, everybody yeah. knows the player. He was. He shouldn't have been on that field. You know, he was an injured player. He shouldn't have been on the field. He should have been nowhere near that pitch. Um, and I think re- retrospective action will be taken, and rightfully so. Mm. I think as well, up to that point, when it came to the brawl, um, obviously players are coming in after heated scenes towards the end of the game. And even injury time, there were a couple of players on both sides dragging each other to the ground. Uh, but generally, it was a lot of pushing and shoving at that point. The gouge probably brings it to a different level. Ushie McConnell yeah. was saying afterwards he thought it was disgusting. So <coughs> I've no doubt there's probably going to be a lengthy ban that will follow on from that. Um, from an Armagh perspective, how happy are you, though, with the way that your team battled back? Because, you know, as Michael Quinlivan was saying a second ago, it seemed that Galway had the game won, particularly when Comer puts the ball over the bar, four points up. You're kind of getting into that territory where you're thinking it's unlikely Armagh are going to come back in. But a couple of long deliveries in, a goal comes off it, and then Reen puts over the point. And again, a goal you were able to manufacture an extra time as well. Um, yeah. Good fighting spirit shown by you lads today. Uh, absolutely. It just shows the, the no-day attitude you know, of the whole squad. You know, we, um, After the first game we, we played against uh, Danny Gall and Bally Buffet, I think a lot of a lot of counties, um, you know, thought we we were finished. You know, but we threw some great attitude from the Tyrone game, the Donegal second game, um, and then I think you know, I don't. I, it's just hard. You know, the belief was there from the fans. You know, the the, the team's got a good fighting spirit. You know, but 
Ryan O'Neill, that point towards the end there, you know, the goals and all. It's just it's, it's, it's a better pill to swallow, you know. I think that team's not, that squad's not finished. I think we're going to come back next season and we've got a big part to play in Ulster. Do you think Geezer will still be in charge next year? I do, yes. I don't think he's finished for a long time, to be honest. I think, you know, I think Kieran McKeever is on the background, in the background team are at the minute with uh, Kieran Donaghy. I think Kieran McKeever is going to be next in line. But I think uh, McGinney's going to be there next season for sure. We've also got Connor O'Neill as well. Uh, Connor, we'll bring you into the conversation here. Connor, how are you getting on? Connor, what's in your mind? Oh, Tommy! Tommy, sorry about that. I, 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 I'm sitting, you wouldn't believe, Tommy. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here in the pub having a pint after the match, and I thought we were joking. We were going, oh, you make it back on. And then all I hear is Connor. It was like, Jesus Christ. It was like my mother talking to you. But I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you what, we were beating a better team today, Tommy. Um, do, do you reckon? Because we we're talking about this, it almost felt like Galway were conspiring to give that game away at different points. I, I just, I just thought that. I just thought that. I don't know. I just, I just don't know. I don't know what what, what happened. I just thought that we see see there in the second half we're bombing balls in, we're bombing balls in, and we got three goals out of it. We got three goals out of bombing balls in, right? And. You know, it was, it, and then, see when we scored the third in the extra time and we sort of sat back a bit, we should have been bombing them and them bombs should have been bombed and I mean, nuclear bombed and like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Hiroshima shit, like, you know what I mean? That's what we should have been doing. Hiroshima Nagasaki, that's what we should have been doing. We should have been bouncing them bombs all, all over the place, right? But we didn't. And I was saying, I'm now I'm sitting here now in Dan Dan Greggy's part in uh, Bassbrook, and I'm I'm you know I'm I'm crying over a paint, you know, but I'm mm. happy I am because that's how, that's there's a meaning behind it. There's meaning behind the tear. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Derry probably aren't going to bomb balls in when it comes to the semi-final. But like, having watched Derry's finishing in their full forward line yesterday in the quarter-final. Do you think Derry are going to cause big problems for Galway's defence in the semi? I'm going to tell you now, now, now I told you a couple of weeks ago. I told you a couple of weeks ago, Tommy. I goes, what did I say to you? I goes, I wouldn't want to meet a Rory Gallagher team. Right? Derry, right, you've heard it here first. From uh, Shamlock, from Dance and Shamlock, right? Derry are going to win the All-Ireland. Roy Gallagher, he'll be spitting on his hands, listening to this probably, but he will be lifting that Sam Maguire. And I promise you now that will happen. We hope so, Connor. Rory Gallagher was playing that down yesterday, but uh, many thanks to Connor. We'll let Connor uh, get back to his point there. Uh, Michael Quinn living. Derry to lift Sam Maguire. What do you think? Um... It's certainly plausible. They were definitely the most impressive, probably, of the, the teams yesterday, other than the, the Galway and Armagh game. Um, and it wasn't just, you know, a lot of people talk about Derry's defensive setup. Every single one of the goals they got, they had nearly six men inside the 13 yard line. You know, there was a number of different hand passes they could have given before the, the final man actually gets the goals. Um, and they seem to be playing with massive confidence. You know, I don't think they'll fear Galway. Um, I think it'll be, you know, very tight on that side. And then 
you know, it's 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 the experience that either Dublin or Kerry have of winning All Ireland in the last few years. Um, that that's probably the the thing they're missing at the minute. Jonathan Higgins, you were coming in here. You were watching the Galway minors and watching the seniors this weekend. Uh, look, mentioned at the outset was one win in fourteen championship games for Galway at Croke Park coming into today. Is it just an overall sense of relief as a Galway supporter coming out with a victory, come hell or high water, or hooker by crook, however you've won it today? Oh, I think so. Uh, well, Tommy, I think I'll re- recurse you that from, from now on. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, but what a, what a, you know, the full spectrum of emotions really in Crow Park there today. It was just surreal. Like it's hard to, it's hard to think back of another occasion in Croker that you're, you're leaving it like that. It's been a long, long time since a game has just back and forth, back and forth on so many occasions. From a from a goalie point of view, I think this year was always a big year, and every little step along the along the course of the championship this year has been is a, is a big step forward for not just the team but for Porrick Joyce's reign. I, I think you go back to Castlebar uh, a couple of months ago now at this rate, that win over win over Mayo was kind of make a break, and uh, you saw the relief, you saw the emotion. It was repeated again in in Pierce Stadium, and uh, I think Joyce made a you know a comment like it, it it was just so important that the Connacht title was secured. And then, as you touched on there, well, like the Galway's record in Crow Park has been absolutely abysmal, um, pretty much back to all one since since they won the All Ireland last. And it feels like another big step, but Jesus, my God, did they make hard work of it today? And um, yeah, I don't even, I can't even, my mind can't even logic and and, and even consider it as far as Derry yet. It's just. Just an absolutely vast array of emotions. But look, I suppose to summarise, there were asked big questions. And I, you go back to um, last year in the league, up in Clonus, the uh, the last round of the, of the league, and where Galway were in Division 1 at the time. They needed to win. They were a couple of points up with a couple of minutes to go, and they blew it. They almost blew it today, two or three times over. What was it, 3-1 three, three, one one conceded from just long bombs in, into the area, which is very, very concerning. But the character of the show, their captain, was, uh, from what I can tell, like, I haven't watched it back fully, it seemed like a very harsh... Picking out of Sean Kelly, I, I would have I would have said on, on, on first um, whispers and, and first little glances on, on social media. But they stood strong and they answered everything and then came good at the end. But, yeah, Jesus, what, what, what a day of emotion it's... It's going to take a while to, to relay that one down, I think. Yeah, we'll see what happens to the disciplinary. But yeah, it did seem unusual where you've got, you know, multiple players in both teams coming in in front of the tunnel. And then Aidan Nugent gets picked out for Armagh and Sean Kelly gets picked out for Galway. They're shown red cards before extra time. How you could have decided that they were the two players who were punished, I'm not quite sure. But uh, we shall see what happens with potential uh, sanctions over the next while. Um, Jonathan, when it comes to Derry game, I know you're saying it's difficult to even look ahead to it. But again, Rory Gallagher was saying after the game, he said one of the kind of uh, points that maybe made Derry's year was what he calls a desperate day, a very bleak day for them in Owen Bank when they played against Galway and conceded a series of goals. I'm sure Derry are going to be very much ready for what goal we're going to bring in the semi-final now. Yeah, you would certainly, you would certainly think so. And that, that league, kind of, uh, not just that game, I think you go back one step prior to that for Derry, it was the game in the hide against Roscommon that ironically enough, bar, barring a, a, just a disastrous Kamikaze job from us comment against Clare in the qualifiers would have had a repeat of that yesterday had uh, things aligned which we would have expected. Shane McGuigan was very, very harshly sent off in the height for, you know, an absolutely pretty much scandalous decision. They appealed it multiple times over but he didn't get to play against Galway that day up in Ombeg. It was a very windy, 
wild hay up and up, up and on back for that. And literally, Derry won the toss, decided to go against the wind, and Galway just absolutely bombed and smoked them out of it. It was the victory that skewered promotion back to Division One for for Galway that day. But it was definitely, I think, a, a learning point because. There's been there was huge steps made. I think everybody thought Derry earlier on in the league would be the team to be promoted along with Galway and uh, Roscommon kind of pipped in and actually finished top in the end and won the division out. But it's just amazing how things have transpired since. But McGuigan missing that day was a big loss to Derry. I think it's even you know tenfold now with the fact that you know he's obviously back in form. He made ribbons out of of Clare yesterday, but also can you imagine Rory, Rory Galler and his management team watching that game today? Like McGuigan is just going to be parked on the edge of the area and just let fly. You would feel like, even with Sean Kelly there, there's problems there with with aerial aerial high balls. And it's not just today, really. You you saw it. It kind of got brushed away. But in the kind of final right of the death when the game was go, done, uh, and out the gap pretty much. But Roscommon got a couple of late goals, just two long balls, and you thought, oh, maybe that's just a lack of concentration. The game, you know, everyone's thinking about the presentation and, and whatnot. But it, it happened today and you don't go too doom and gloom, but that's certainly an area that both go we need to improve and that Derry will be targeting very, very heavily heavily, you would imagine. I have a question for Jonathan if you don't mind. Yeah, come on in. Yeah, we'll let Noel in in a second, but go on. Are my fans coming back in here for Jonathan? Yeah, Jonathan, just um, a word on, on, on Shane Walsh. You know, I've seen that there from, from early on. He struggled. He got a he got a bit of a knock early on. Is there any word out of the Galway camp? about how how his fitness is. You know, I know it's only 30 days, but he seemed to be struggling for the majority of that game, you know, even though he still produced the goods. Is there any word on him? Uh, not initially afterwards. Uh, I wasn't speaking to Shane or it didn't really come up too much with Porrick afterwards. But uh, what I will say is from looking on, uh, he was clearly targeted from the off. He got... Uh, I don't think yes. it seemed to get picked up. I don't think it got picked up uh, how much it got up on the TV cameras, but he got he got smashed off the ball early doors. It was kind of a little kind of stamped down in the boot. I think he's actually boot went off, you know, one of those kind of reducers on the back of the Achilles. Yeah. And that was just a kind of, a, 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 I suppose, a marker for what was to come, really. It did seem to knock the wind out of him. He was even, he, he spent a, a good bit of the first half just kind of uh, out slugging water out by the, the sideline in front of Porrick Choice. And there was a bit yeah. of conversations back. There was actually one ball that he was kind of, he kind of was having a drink of water and he came back to him and it was passed to him. And he almost let it dribble out in front of him. Um, but he, yeah, no, he was clearly targeted. I, I surprised that there wasn't more, um, because some of the, some of the, uh, the 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 tactics on him was was so obvious. Um, he was, as I said, he was clearly targeted. They they pinned him, and he was he was pinned back. There was a couple of other Galway runners were pinned back, and right in front of the officials as well. And it never really got uh, picked up. Uh, I know it was frustration from from the Galway camp, but I guess look, as Parry said afterwards, that's going to happen to him pretty much every game now. Um, he didn't really get into it that much from open play. I think that yeah. little bit of a knock he got matched with just the fact that he was just sworn by two or three players, but. I guess, like, maybe one absolute kamikaze uh, ball right in the end of, the end of actually, uh, just before the end of normal time when Galway were on the break and there was a man over on the right side and uh, he went for the hair and Mary ball and it was intercepted. And I think they got the, uh, almost, they got a score from it at the end and Park actually took him off straight away then. But, um, look, he's that type of class player. He came on despite everything going his going array and the fact that he was... I think he was more fatigued more than anything else at the end of uh, extra time that he was down in a heap and we were unsure whether, whether he would take a penalty. He did. And again, yeah. I'm not sure if the TV cameras pick it up, but uh, after he took the penalty, when he went back to the, the five kickers, he pretty much fell on the floor. He was absolutely wiped out. Um, 
definitely give everything to the service. But yeah. look, there's no point saying otherwise. It's probably look, Derry are going to do something similar. He didn't play. Um, he didn't play the league game up in own bag, but no doubt they will have something similar uh, there. Um, but ultimately. Uh, from, thankfully from a Maroon perspective he still got the big big moments a couple of frees I think it might have been four in, in the end that he scored some of them were big big scores he was still involved and took the penalty away so you'd, you'd say despite the uh, little bit of extra attention he stood still strong and uh, had some key involvements in the game Mm. You're uh, listening to GA Late Night here on the Off The Ball Twitter space. Oh, thanks to Guinness Zero Zero, 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the GA pitch are yours for the taking. Um, Michael Quinlevin, just to kind of bring the conversation around a bit, because I'm very aware we've got a lot of Kerry and Mayo supporters uh, who are listening into us currently as well. Potts Blanc said in the TV afterwards, said as poor as he's seen Kerry play at Crow Park, now, they're naturally a bit rusty, given the lack of games and how long it's been since the Munster final. But how do you assess that Kerry performance against Mayo today? Yeah, I think he was dead right. Um, it just very lacks. Uh, I couldn't get over the amount of time they spent without the ball. Um, it nearly seemed like for the whole first half, Mayo owned the, the, the ball. And it's just the way Kerry are setting up that they want to invite pressure and, and leave the space inside for their forwards. But they'll be delighted to get over it having not played well. Um, I think Mayo obviously look shot themselves in the foot with, with, with some really poor shooting um, in the second half. And it just seemed to take the wind out of their sails and the, games, the game really petered out and, and Kerry tacked on a few points. I don't think... I think they would be pretty flattered by a, an eight or nine point victory. I don't think it was that sort of game. Um, but look, it's, it's, it's great for the Kerry management. You know, for the next couple of weeks, you know you're, you've you've played a, a really tough game against Mayo. You saw the difference. You know, Mayo turned over the the, the Kerry halfbacks and half forwards um, around the middle of the field, just you know, with ferocious tackling that they maybe maybe wouldn't have happened in 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 the monster games that they had played. So you get that out of the way before you play the Dogs in two weeks, and you've plenty to work on. I think for Kerry, they really could do with when you know some of those injuries coming right. I think. Um, their bench is a hell of a lot stronger, I think, than Dublin's. Um, they do have serious impact coming in off the bench. You see the players that they're bringing on, Killian Spadan, Tony Brosnan. And, like, if I think they just need to be in that game until the last 10 or 15 minutes. And I do think their, their subs could, could, you know, make all the difference at that level. Um, but, they, look, they'll be... They'll be happy. They'll keep the head down for two weeks. They've gotten the, the game out in Crow Park. It's not like Tyrone last year where they went in really cold. They'll have had that. You know, they'll play again in two weeks' time. It's not a four-week break. So, in in some ways, I think their management and, and the Kerry supporters will be kind of happy that, that they've this one out of the way. Um, and for Mayo, look, it, it's it's really disappointing. They'd, it's it's not for a want to try. And I think they've, they've so many guys who can kick scores. But if they were an orchestra... You'd never know who the lead the lead is supposed to be, um, you know, because everybody wants to step up to try try and kick one from forty yards. When they really needed a score just to bring it to level, it, it didn't seem like they knew who to give the ball to. You know, his in the last few years that's been Killian O'Connor, and look, he, I think he's still probably feeling the effects of that injury from last year. It's a really tough one to get over, um, and they used to work the ball to him, but now it just seems to be a little bit too off the cuff. They still are, you know, the best back line in the country by a mile. I think they have so many men who can go man on man, but you're never going to beat Kerry if you're only kicking 13 points. You know, Kerry still, in 
even though they didn't play anywhere close to their best, they still had, you know, over 20 points, 118, I think, on the scoreboard. So if you want to beat them, that's what you have to be able to put up, same as when you're playing Dublin. Um, Sarah, I'm when just... it comes to how Mayo played here, 41% conversion rate. Like This felt like it was well set up for them to give it a good shout. I mean, we saw David Clifford hobbling. Okay, He was well able to plant his foot uh, to put the ball into the top corner for the goal, but he clearly was far from 100%. Kerry coming in from a long layoff. Mayo coming off the back of you know a big comeback win against Kildare. And then their shooting was all over the place today. Yeah, like key moments, Matthew Rowan had two wides um, when Mayo could have gone ahead. Jordan Flynn, again, kicked a ball, a boomer. You know, it was never going to be a score. Michael's right. The wrong players were getting on the ball at those key moments. And what I was surprised about as well is Oshin Mullen was allowing David Clifford to, to win the ball. You know, to, and when playing the mark, it didn't make sense. You know, Kerry played the mark so well today. I wonder if Mayo had been more intense in the tackle and had actually not allowed to let them win the mark, um, they, they might have got more out of it. Um, Michael, would you agree that they were kind of standing off when it didn't make sense because obviously Clifford doesn't miss? No, he, he got a couple of very good ones just down the sideline. I don't, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of those marks personally, you know, the ones that's kicked down the sideline for 25 yards, I think. You know, the game really should be played on. I think the mark was brought in so that people would kick long balls into the full forward line. It's not really what that one is about. But all in all, I think Washington Mullen did a great job on David Clifford. Um, first half especially, there was a lot of one-on-one balls that went in there that he came out with. It's just, I I'd say, I see your point, Sarah. It's, it's a tough one, though. If you go so tight to him and he spins you, you see the pace he showed for the goal. Um, and, and that's what you're kind of trying to guard against. It's It's the big moments that... You know, he can just pop up and with a moment of brilliance and, and the game's over at that stage. Um, he is just so accurate, though, from especially from that right-hand side um, with, with the in-swing and left foot. It's it, it's just so difficult to defend against. And that's why he's the hardest job in the country trying to go in America. Michael, I've got to give Owen Sheen a bit of credit for this next stat because I know he's here, so he deserves the credit while he's listening to us. He's pointed out that open play this year, Kerry have conceded just one goal. Um, Jack O'Connor has given them a good platform going into the semi-final where Kerry are extremely difficult to break down. Yeah, and look, in some ways, I feel like you're nearly being harsh on Kerry because they actually don't really allow you to shoot inside the D at all. Tyg Morley, is, you know, his position is, is brilliant there. They are filtering back and they are getting into the right areas and stopping, you know, stopping teams trying to run through the middle of them, which which has been, you know, their issue in the last few years when they got to Crow Park. Um, you remember Owen Merchant's goal in that final where he goes directly through the heart of the defence. They've they've tried to cut that out, um, and they seem to. The big thing is is they probably have a settled backline now as well. Um, you know, there there've been little to no changes in that back six. Um, and then they've, they're always able to call on Paul Murphy um, when they need to, to to bring him in. So they're they're the, they've been the meanest defense in the country this year. And while we were saying that you know the Mayo kicking was was probably from the wrong areas, Kerry are nearly forcing them to kick from out there where the percentages are a little bit lower because you you're, you're finding it very difficult to pop the ball inside um, or get any joy off that full back line. Sarah, that provides a bit of a quandary for Dublin in preparing for the semi-final because 
race against time was the exact phrase that was used about Conor Callaghan and James McCarthy. And Ross Mully and I were up in the press box. So we had a lovely eagle-eyed view of the Dublin forward line, particularly in the second half, where they were more than happy to play the ball into a fairly withdrawn full forward line who would then recycle the ball back out and they would shoot from good areas around the D and they took their points very well. But at no point did they really have a runner to go in behind without Con to actually challenge for goals. Kerry might be happy enough to set up and try and make themselves very difficult to break down, particularly if Con is not available to make those incisive runs that could cause problems in behind. It's a massive issue for Dublin. I, I, I think it can't be overlooked. As, and Dublin without James McCarthy as well will be a big issue because, as you said, you're trying to create those channels, open up those pockets. And what I saw today from Kerry is that their defenders love coming forward. Like Tom O'Sullivan was forward for three points as well today. So they're they're very concrete at the back. They love to come forward. It'll be a completely different setup for, for Dublin to, to get around. And if they don't have Con and if they don't have James, I, I could see that game being over by, you know, 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Hmm. Kerry Mayo supporters, Dublin supporters, by all means, stick up your hand and come on in and uh, join the conversation around this as we look forward to that semi-final and back in the quarterfinals this weekend. Um, Michael, when I looked at Dublin and Sarah's has brought up the point about attacking defenders. We saw it today, we saw it yesterday with Gannon getting forward, Brendan Rodgers went on so many different runs for Derry. We've got players who are just redefining positions now, whether it's Rafferty in goal for Armagh or where you can get a cornerback like Gannon who can go up and get two points and two assists from cornerback last night. Yeah, I, I think nowadays teams are nearly just looking for, you know, footballers to be able to play in regardless of what position because they know during matches that you're going to end up rotating half back lines that will end up in the half forward line and you know there actually tends to be a hell of a lot more time. You know, if you if you're if you're quite good at, and you have some pace and a little bit of time and it's nearly easier to to be a full back or or a half back attacking that space because you can kind of see the play develop in front of you. Um, and those teams that are, you know, really quick on the transition, you, you mentioned a few of them there, they have a lot of, you know, may have been at it for years as well, getting multiple scores from their backs who are, who are carrying forward. And the other point of it then is for the opposition forward line, if you know you're marking one of those, you know, backs who can kick a score, the likes of Brendan Rodgers, the minute he goes, you feel like you have to go as well, um, which is a, kind of a tough mentally for you because... You know, you're focused on trying to get scores and create scores on the other side, but you know, you know, if you switch off for one minute, this guy can go 90 yards down the field and, and stick one over, and he comes back and smiles at you um, in the full back line, and and you're already on the back foot then as well. Um, so it's really, it it is really good good to see. I think Derrier Derrier probably, you know, I was really really impressed with the commitment, the amount of people they committed forward in all of their in the match against Clare. You know, any time they turned the ball over, any time they, you know had a fast break on. It wasn't just one or two it was going, it was four and five. They were getting so many people up into the opposition 45. Um, and it's whether or not, you know, they can, you know, do that against Galway, who would probably, you know, have a little bit more on the conditioning side, especially the same with Dublin and Kerry a little bit further down the line if they're in an All-Ireland final. Can they continue to do that for 70 minutes against those teams? Because that's ultimately what will help win an All-Ireland if, if, if it's there for them. Yeah, it's a step up in opposition from Clare. And I don't mean that in any kind of disrespectful way towards Clare. Colin Collins was saying that it didn't happen for them at all yesterday. But you've got to give Derry credit where I think we probably saw their template for the game inside the first 15 minutes when they went 2-2 to a point up. 
the first goal they pressed right up and caused problems on the Clare kickout continually. And then the Connor Glass goal was a wonderful play from their own kickout, where, as you say, they were able to move the ball remarkably quickly, find a player in a good position. And in the case of Connor Glass, he had the finishing power to put the ball into the roof of the net as well. But both sides of the ball, we saw very impressive athleticism from Derry, particularly in that opening 15, 20 minutes, even if some of their shooting was a bit off. Yeah, yeah, their their speed of transition between defence and attack was was brilliant. Um, and and it, that is why exactly it. It's it's the athleticism that they showed. They kept doing it all day, up and down. And it looks like you know Shane McGuigan, Shane McGuigan kicked what about one eight, and and there was a lot of times there where he was standing isolated on his own, just kicking a point over. But it's purely down to the runners around him who are dragging people away, so that he has the space to kick it over. Um, and you know a lot of people, or a lot of teams, you know when they play in Crow Park and kind of go into their shells, it seemed to really, you know, bring out the best in Derry, I would say. They've probably been, you know, listening to it for the last couple of weeks about, you know, it's a different ball game when you get down to Dublin, away from Clonus and away from Ulster. Um, but they really showed that they're, you know, no more than Armagh as well, who's, who really stepped up. I think, you know, this is the start of a very exciting few years for those two counties, even though Armagh didn't get it done today. I think Derry will be you know, knocking on the door for an All-Ireland for the next four or five years with the with the players they have. Yeah, first time since 2010, we've had two provincial champions from Division 2 and those two teams also went to a semi-final. So um, we had four Division 2 teams coming into this weekend. Obviously, two fell by the wayside and two have qualified. Um, Michael, when I look at the performance of Shane McGuigan, uh, people were comparing it almost to the scoring haul from Killian O'Connor for Mayo against Tipperary a few years ago, but that included more balls from uh, dead balls going over the crossbar. In this case, 1-7 from play. He assisted two of the goals and created a lot of scores for his teammates uh, during the game too. As complete a performance as you'd like to see from an inside forward. Yeah, it's nice nice to, to remind us of Killian O'Connor's haul against us in a... In a Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, it was it was brilliant. But I think the big thing was he, he just kept taking the right option. There's a lot of times there, you know, he could have kicked scores himself and he he didn't. He, he, he kicked the right option because, you know, those, those runners from deep... Um, you need to keep encouraging them to do that and, and finding those little passes and things like that is what you know keeps those halfbacks making that 80 yard long bust and run up the field and then he just showed a range of, of, of kicking it was you know he was having a field day um, and I think the goal just topped it off you know after you know being you know just having one of those days where anything that leaves your boot goes over the bar to, to top it off with the goal and I think himself and, and Sean Kelly, albeit look, I presume there'll be some sort of a a CCC or DRA uh, meeting to see whether Sean will be able to play in the semi-final. But that'll be a key battle, I think, the two of those against each other. No more so than Shane Walsh up against Christy McCaig on the far side. So. Sarah, I don't mean to turn this into a, a dairy loving, and by all means, supporters of other teams come in and uh, steer the conversation in a different direction when I'm talking about dairy, though. I'm just thinking, though, we go back only a few years ago, I think it's five years ago, Carl McCaig was sent to us an OTBM last week. The dairy were playing in the bottom flight of the National Football League. They struggled to buy a win in the Ulster Championship between 2013 and this year. And here's Rory Gallagher's side now with the Anglo Celt and preparing to go into an All Ireland semi final. It's not that the talent wasn't there but it's still a big turnaround within results in very recent seasons to get them to this point. Yeah, but they had a couple of near misses. So over the last couple of years, I, I think I was in Castle Bar and they were playing before Mayo in a championship game. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. 
and and I think last year they had a multitude of chances um and and just couldn't couldn't finish the job like they they were all over um uh, who did they have last year in the in the championship this is the point where I have to get Google out and try and remember where Derry were. Anyone else want to jump in? We can. They, uh, yeah, they they like they. I'm trying to think who they were playing, but they they were, balls are coming off the crossbar, balls are coming off the top of the post. They had a, they were fierce, unlucky. Like they, mm. it would have been a big surprise if they had pulled it off. But they've definitely been, I suppose, knitting together performances for maybe 40, 50 minutes, and then just not being able to see it out. So that's what I, I, I'm not that surprised that they've kind of found themselves in this position this year. Derry last year, by the way, on the point of information on that, as I get Google out, they lost to Donegal by a single point, 16-15 in the quarters in Ulster last year. Yeah, and the game was a rip-roaring game. They they were all over Donegal, but for some poor shooting, which they've obviously, you know, solved this year in that they've been incredibly clinical um, yesterday, scoring five goals. So that's how close they've been over the last couple of years. Mm. I think if you look at their league form in the last, in like the last two years, obviously... You know, there hasn't really been a qualifiers. So, and trying to get out of Ulster, you, you know, you can draw just one of the big teams up there and you get bet and you're finished on day one. But they've been quietly building in um, through the leagues. They've been, you know, getting there, thereabouts. And, and this year, you know, it has been the, the big stepping stone where it, you can clearly see that they really believe in what they're doing. They believe in Rory Gallagher. And, you know, it's starting to show on the field as well. Yeah, I wasn't sure about the Crow Park factor. Going to, it's something that was brought up in some of the previews, this idea that, you know, how were Derry going to cope with Crow Park? I had watched Derry last year in the Division 3 final. I know it was an unusual year, Michael, because of the way things were split up geographically, but they went into that final and they absolutely hammered offly and used the space really well in there. I actually think Derry's style of play and all you mentioned about the transitioning and the way that their forwards move around, Crow Park is actually well suited to them, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, it's certainly not the pitch. It's more so, you know, if you're playing one of the big counties, I think Clare was, Clare was probably the best draw they could have hoped for. Um, you know, it would have been a, a very different had they been playing Mayo or, or one of those teams, I think. Um, and that's really, the, I, I still think the question is there as to, you know, when it gets to an All-Ireland semi-final or final against Dublin or Kerry, because you're going to have to beat Dublin or Kerry to win a, an All-Ireland. That's that's when you'll find out um, if if they're if they're good enough. Actually, it was twenty seventeen. Um, I've actually done a bit of googling here myself. Uh, Derry played Mayo, and I was at the game, and it, mm. it took a goal from Conor Loftus and a goal from Jason Doherty to rescue Mayo. And Derry had the game won, and Mayo managed to bring it to extra time, and then pulled away in extra time. But over that seventy minutes in twenty seventeen, they were the better team than Mayo. So like that, Donegal Mayo, they've been chipping away at the big games. Any Mayo fans that want to come in, by the way, I'm intrigued how you kind of assess the last few weeks and um, feeling like it was absolutely down and out in that game against Kildare, coming back, getting the victory, and then perhaps some of that just poor shooting that uh, cost what to me at least felt like a golden opportunity against Kerry this afternoon and uh, the year coming to an end this year in a quarter final after getting to the All-Ireland final last year. Um, Michael, when we look forward to these uh, semi-finals then, like Ross Mully was saying to me yesterday, you can listen to the podcast of our chat uh, from Crow Park yesterday after the uh, quarterfinals on Saturday evening, that if Conor Callaghan's fit, he'd probably have Dublin as favourites to win the All-Ireland. With the evidence of what we saw from Kerry today, who do you make favourite going into that semi-final? I think Ross Mully is spot on. Um, I think Con gives, Con gives that Dublin team a different edge. He's, you know, he's so direct. 
his he takes so much minding in that inside line that it, it opens up a lot of the spaces for some of the other forwards. Um, a lot of it comes down to the fitness maybe of, of Clifford on the other side as well. You know, it, it, he didn't seem to be moving after the little knock he took in, in at the start of the game. So I think the fitness of the two of those, um, I'd probably have Dublin as slight favourites just given the fact that, you know, you have so many All-Ireland medals in their dressing room. Um, the Kerry, you know, on the Kerry side, I think there's only probably four or five who are there in 2014 or 20, yeah, 2014. Um, and that probably gives them the edge. I think, I think Derry will take huge heart. Um, themselves and, and Galway are very evenly matched. You know, they have some class forwards. They get men back. They transition quite quickly. Um, and that'll be an interesting game. But, but I would have the two favourites on the, on the other side. Is there a worry, Sarah, about the dependency the Kerry have on Clifford then that this started him when he was very clearly not 100% today? I, I wondered if he asked to be started himself because sometimes, you know, they had so little in the way of competitive action over the last number of weeks. I think they played Galway in a challenge match. I heard that during the week. Um, he probably didn't want to step away from this game today. So sometimes a player in his, you know, of his ability is saying, no, I'm going to test myself today and if I have to come off, I have to come off. I don't know whether Jack would have had a choice <laughs> um, and that maybe David said, look, I'm, I'm coming in here. But I wouldn't be too worried from Kerry's point of view. Like Paul Gini should have had a goal early, um, which would have made the game a very different game. Thomas Sullivan had the chance for the goal late. They have options. And no more than Michael was saying earlier about players lining up to take the shot. I thought for Kerry today, against Mayo, there was constantly another player, another player, another player pressing high for Kerry to, to take a shot. So Mayo were at sixes and sevens trying to cover off. It was almost like a rugby match. The lads were just lining up, you know, waiting to get on the ball. And that's what you want to see from a team like Kerry. So I don't think they're overly dependent on Clifford. Sarah, this weekend too, we watched Owen O'Donnell come on for a cameo. I think between the time he came on and injury time, got about 10 minutes uh, during the game. We were intrigued to see where he was going to go because there was the possibility that, I think he plays around half forward for his club, whether he was going to be pushed into the forward line or whether he would play in defence. Now at the end, he ended up kind of in a sweeping role, effectively at wing back. And look, he made a couple of blocks. He made an assist during the uh, game too. It's probably unlikely he's going to be hurling for Dublin next year if he can become, you know, a major member of the football panel. But it's remarkable to think that he's come in midstream into an All-Ireland contender and comes on to play in the championship game, having already played the other code earlier this year. To make your senior into county debut in a quarterfinal is some going. Yeah, and look, it's out of left field completely. But I wonder, you know, his athleticism um, is, is obviously the driving factor here and his physicality. So he was able to come in there. Look, there's no question that he's a brilliant reader of the game. And, you know, marshalling a defence in hurling and football, while it can be quite different, there's obviously facets of it that are very similar. So his organisation would be a huge thing for Desi Farrell as well, I think. And there, there's no reason why, you know, he can't make that transition quickly and, look, you know, balls out of Desi Farrell to throw him in there. But his leadership for Dublin has been incredible. And I think it'll probably be the appointment of the new manager for Dublin and depending on who that is, will dictate whether Owen plays for Dublin next year or not. Yeah, like Michael, he's a hell of an athlete. I mean, a very impressive fullback in hurling. He's Dublin hurling captain currently uh, before he went off to play football for the rest of the summer. Um, how difficult is that transition, do you reckon, between you know, having played under 20 a few years ago for the county to playing senior inter-county at All-Ireland level? Yeah, the skill, it's, it's more so really your touch. Um, I think the interesting piece about it is 
I wonder what it actually says about you know the rest of the options that are currently on the bench that you know there is a guy who's been just drafted in mid-season who is now coming on mm. um it's 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 an interesting proposition like I don't think it would have happened six or seven years ago when you know you were looking looking behind you Jim Gavin had the luxury looking behind him and seeing Paul Flynn and Bernard Brogan and, and Philly McMahon and, and and people like that Kevin McMenamin um, Owen O'Gara yeah yeah so like I, I, and I don't know what it would it have would it have flo- fly, flown with those guys um, who, you know, that was the culture that they had built that, you know, he was either all in. Um, so it's it's an interesting one. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll struggle with um, adapting to the game. You know, as as Sarah mentioned, it's his physicality and his athleticism will, will give him a big boost there. Um, and playing in the half back lane, you know, he, he does, he does play both codes. It's, it's just a case of getting the eye in um, and that comes with training, uh, which, which, which he's been doing for the last few weeks. Our ref, come on, has been uh, waiting in the background patiently to come in as well. How are you getting on? I presume you're coming in on a Mayo point here. Yeah, just uh, I, I heard you talking earlier on about, I suppose, what you, what, what people are probably thinking in Mayo at the moment, mm. what, what the what the feeling is, I suppose, in the county. But I don't think uh, the major disappointment from other years is there this year. I think a lot of people were kind of, I suppose, expecting so Mayo probably they probably weren't expecting Mayo to be carry anyway, but up up until half time, I think. That, look, I've watched a lot of people. The the, the mood was fairly positive. Uh, they were keeping with Kerry in terms of the wides. I think it was seven six at one stage in terms of wise, but obviously in the second half, I think it went twenty minutes without scoring. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people uh, a lot of people in Mayo anyway were probably expecting this defeat and probably maybe the way the the way the defeat came about was maybe we kicked too many wides and that would be a bit disappointing but in, in, in a general sense I, th- I think it was expected. What was the reason for the expectations being down then? Was that down to the performance the last time out against Kildare, the way things have been going since the league final or was it something more recent than that that brought the expectations down? Well, I, th- I, I think that the mood in the county for the league, I think when we went up to Dublin, we started playing a bit of football and th- things were looking good. I know Dublin hadn't won and obviously got relegated, but we were, it looked good, looked positive. You have to still remember, it's not all doom and gloom in Mayo. When you look at the average age of that squad and the players that's came in the last couple of years, Ender Hesh and Oshin Mullen, um, like things are good. Tommy Conroy's going to come back, Ryan O'Donnell, who was only coming into it. So, like, it's not like it's a dying team. You know, obviously there's, there's, there's lads at the end of their career, but there isn't every sort of any team that's at, at any stage. So I think um, the league final defeat, to answer your question, the league the final defeat, the, the manner of it uh, was was disappointing. I suppose Kerry had played, you know, they had the five or six competitive games at that stage compared to Kerry haven't really been challenged in so long. So there was probably, you know, when, when you've seen Clifford go down earlier on, Mayo were kind of, you know, I think they were 2-1 up at that stage. You were thinking, geez, you know what, they might actually have a chance here. But um, it's been coming. It's been, it just hasn't been clicking for them. It looks like they're, they're almost they're almost tired in a way, but I don't think it's physically. I think it's just a, there's a mental block there now where uh, the two All-Ireland final defeats were huge. Um, last year's one is always going to, it's going to resonate for, for a long time, I think, in Mayo. But if you look back at the previous time in sixteen seventeen, we had the draw. We we had the draw game. We were really close, and we actually got knocked out in the qualifier game against Kildare. 
I think a lot of people expected, you know, we, we had the two chances, didn't take them, and, and ultimately we were, uh, we were sitting duck, I think, once uh, after the league final. I think things weren't going well. And then the goal of the game came along and we got bet in a own patch. So it was, you know, there was just a lot of pressure on on that group. But, like, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think things aren't as bad in Mayo as people would like to think. But even if you talk to the general public now, they all think that, you know, fair enough. It was it, it wasn't a good year for Mayo, but at the same time, look, we have a minor team there that's in an All Ireland final, a young squad. Um, I'm not sure what the story is with the with, with the manager position. I know his term, his four year term, is up, and I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, I know. Would you like time. to see him still be around, or what's your thought on Horn at the moment? I think I think it's Rats' course. Um, I don't want to be disrespectful to the man in any way at all. Like it's not like I'm. You know, this isn't going to be an Arsenal fan TV thing where I'm going to come out shouting whoring out or anything, but it's, it's, um, it's, uh, I think it's Rand's course. You know, like, you, you look at any sport and any group of players or any teams, four years is an awful long time with a group of players. So, uh, you know, my, it, it looks, it looks like it's Rand's course, but it's not for me or it's, it's, a, it's off the powers of being himself to decide that. What would you think of uh, John Mon? You know, uh, obviously been with Offaly for the last four years, talks that he mightn't stay there next year. He he definitely won't be there next year. I can tell you that right now. I don't think he'll be there next week. So yeah. what, what would that be like, you know, having gone away, got that experience for four years? Yeah, well, he has the, he had the experience before he went to Offaly as well. Like, he's been around the block. He's been successful. Yeah. He's been successful. He got Offaly up to a certain level. Is he the what man did, job? I don't know, even would he, would he want that? Like, you know, the way Jack obviously came back to Kerry, you know. Yeah, but Jack went back into the system and Jack went back with the minors and, 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 and so, you know, he knows those players. He went through the course and took over a, a group a, a group of players' aspirations when I learned it was similar to me on a way, but I don't I don't know if, if John would even want that torture. You know, it's, it's, it's a high-pressure job. You know, there's a lot of people... A lot of critics, a lot of people will be at them all the time. You know, there's a lot of really good candidates out there within the county itself. Um, and look, I don't think in my time watching male football, we've looked outside for a main man. So I'd say we probably will look inside, but I don't know if John Ma- John Mohan um, is the guy to, 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 to bring us forward. You know, the game has changed so much. And I have a lot, a lot of time, a lot of respect for what John has done. And you know, he was very successful that time when he came in training Laherdon and Mayo and won a junior title with them. And, he, you know, he can reinvent, he has reinvented himself so many times over the course of the period. But I just think, um, I don't think he will be up there with the candidates. But he might, might want to throw his, his name into the hat. But uh, no, I don't think that. Is there anyone that particularly stands out for you within the county right now that we should be watching out for as a candidate then, given that Mayo will kind of traditionally go inside, as you said? Yeah, well, the 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 two candidates within 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 Mayo circles already probably you know obviously people talk about Kevin McStay, but I think Ray Dempsey is somebody who he's managed not more to the two senior county titles. He's a guy that's been around a long time. He has experience. He's managed Mayo under twenties, under twenty ones. He's managed Mayo minors. Um, able to bring in a good team around him. Um, very deep thinker of the game. Uh, and you know like. We we talk about you know what's the what what you need on a CV to be uh to to, to be to be the Mayo manager James Horan won two senior titles with Ballantubber 
So he'd be, he'd be similar. Also, Kevin Johnson as well, current Cora Finn manager, I think, to be another candidate. That'd be a very interesting guy. You'd have to put him up there as well in, in, in the same group. He, he managed Ballantubber. A lot of people thought Ballantubber were finished. Got two county titles out of Ballantubber. Went to Torla Strand. Won a county title with Torla Strand. Uh, currently in Currafin, if he does it with Currafin this year, I mean, they have to put him up there with, uh, put him up there in that name of uh, people that'd be willing to take the job. Right. Okay. Four or five minutes away from the Sunday game starting, so we'll start coming around in a wraparound. So, if anyone else wants to come in, uh, stick up the request, and we'll bring you in before we finish up. Uh, Sarah, while those are sticking their hands up, I want to ask you about next week? Uh, we've got the All Ireland semi-finals. Uh, Galway on the march after their footballers winning. Uh, their hurlers will try and repeat the trick. Uh, very difficult game for them, though. Obviously, against a, a Limerick side who have kind of built their way into the championship and were incredibly impressive in that classic Munster final. Do you give Galway a shout at beating Limerick next Sunday afternoon? Uh, having seen them play Cork, I was actually quite disappointed with Galway. Um, the last 20 minutes against Cork is is where they kind of did Cork over. Um, I think that Limerick won't allow them to stay in the game for as long as Cork did. Limerick will be far more clinical. So I can't see Galway uh, pulling off a shock next weekend. The one I can't wait for is Saturday evening. So we've got Kilkenny against Clare. And straight away, I'm going to say I've been incredibly impressed by Clare. They've gone toe-to-toe with Limerick three times this year. And it's been level at the end of 70 minutes on each occasion. I kind of have a bit of a fancy for Kilkenny next Saturday. I might change my view between now and then. But something just tells me there's a kick in this Kilkenny team next weekend. You're not wrong. And I think that from Clare's point of view, they have to open up the game as best they can get wide get into the spaces because going toe to toe with Kilkenny physically they won't enjoy that but if they can actually open up the channels get the running game going get Shane O'Donnell on the ball really really push Kilkenny but keep it wide they'll they'll do really well but you know if if they go into a one-on-one you know every I, I can't see them enjoying that uh, Kilkenny are very good against Galway they just stifle them and that's what they could do against Clare if, if they get too close, if they get too physical. It reminds me of our buddy Connor and his uh, dropping bombs and Hiroshima and Nagasaki <laughs> conversation from earlier on. But Kilkenny could well drop bombs into that Clare full back line too. Because look, the template is there with the way that Clare struggled to defend with the long ball that Wexford dropped in to Chin and to McDonald's in the second half of the game at Temple Stadium a couple of weeks ago. Um, Kilkenny probably have more physical forwards available in their panel than any other team in the country. I mean, Clare might struggle to actually deal with them. Yeah, and look, Clare haven't been back to Croke Park. You know, it's probably been 13 months, is it, since Clare were in Croke Park? Yeah, so, they've only played there twice since they lifted the All-Ireland in 2013. And it's a stomping ground for Kilkenny. Kilkenny have turned big teams over there in the last number of years. Kilkenny are very comfortable there, and that will be a deciding factor as well. Mm, yeah, Clare last time they played there was that classic that they had against uh, Galway 2018 and the replay went to Semple Stadium. So they've had very little experience in Crow Park in recent years uh, with just the way that things have worked out. Um, Sarah, as well, on the Camogie front from the weekend, uh, no separating Galway and Kilkenny so far in Group 2. We had Group 2 matches this weekend. Uh, very comfortable win for Kilkenny against Offaly, 3.18 to 2.7 for them at Nolan Park. They were 1.13 to 1.1 up at the break. So they've got a 100% record. So did the All-Ireland champions Galway as well. Aoife Donoghue, Siobhan McGraw with goals. They beat Antrim 2.17 to 6 points. So beating two teams towards the bottom of the group in the penultimate weekend but they meet as it works out good work fixtures computer in the last round to decide who goes to the semi-final by top in the group 
Yeah, and look, Galway's score difference is far superior. So technically, they are separated currently, but Kilkenny will want to avoid a quarterfinal. They, they won't want to get into that. They'll want to go straight to a semi-final. So uh, it, it'll be skin and hair flying next week, no question. Um, from Cork's point of view, they're already through on the other side. Um, Limerick and Antrim is actually working out as a fixture that allows both teams to essentially qualify in third as well. So that group two is a really exciting group. Um, group one, uh, Dublin. Clare are out. Dublin, Tip and Waterford can all qualify. And again, second spot up for grabs there between Dublin, Tip and Waterford. So the Camogie has been incredibly exciting this year and every team has an opportunity of qualifying right now, bar Clare. Yeah, it's exactly what you want. I think Tips win the last day kind of left it absolutely wide open uh, going into the last round of fixtures there. And I think uh, the way that relegation is looking at the bottom of Group 2, when I look at the table here, uh, down play against Offaly in the last game and Offaly are going to have to win that game if they're to move ahead of down and not end up in uh, the relegation situation. So uh, that's where we're standing at the moment. Um, just as we get ready to uh, finish up on the show for this evening, of course, we'll be back uh, talking about hurling a lot more at uh, half past eight next Sunday. Michael Quinlivan, give me your winners of the two football semi-finals now based on the evidence we've seen at the quarters this weekend. Who's going through? Um, I think Derry will beat Galway um, and I think Dublin will beat Kerry. Okay, Dublin Derry oh. final. That could be an intriguing one in Crow Park. Not in September this year, but in the middle of July. So we look forward to them. Thanks a million to everyone for uh, taking part in GA Late Night here. All oh, thanks to Guinness Zero Zero. If you missed any of tonight's show, you can listen back on the Twitter spaces in a few minutes' time when we finish up, or the podcast will be available on the OTB GA feed later. Paddy Andrews, James O'Donoghue will be with Tommy for the football pod tomorrow evening. And you can get it, of course, on Tuesday morning, wherever you pick up your podcast. I'll be joined by James Gale and Paul Murphy to preview the All Ireland semi finals on the hurling pod and if any of you around the Limerick area we're in Dolan's warehouse for our next road show with Guinness Zero Zero we're going to be previewing the hurling semi-finals next weekend uh, Joe Quaid our special guest for that one as well uh, so looking forward to that Dolan's at half past seven on Wednesday night thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you next week guys thanks well thanks thanks well.